everyone. I'm Reverend Carla and welcome to Spirituality Matters, a podcast that focuses on the intersection of spirituality and humanity. So let's settle in and find that sacred space between here where I am and there where you are and let us be reminded that the holy transcends our physical bodies and our time together is just as sacred and meaningful as if we were sitting beside one another. All right, let's get started for today's podcast. This is entitled Practical Spirituality, Finding Holy in Your Everyday. And as always, this podcast is inspired by my blog post for this week, which you can find at RevCarla.com. Practical spirituality. What could that mean? Wouldn't it be wonderful to just live your life practically? (laughs) I don't know what that means. Let's dive into this and see what we can find out. So in this blog, I'm talking about leaving church. And as I often do talk about leaving church, but in this, I, I I wanted to talk about the struggle that we often have when we leave church and how our spiritual identity is bound by not just who we are, but what we did. And so for my case, in my case, you know, I was always at church. I was always preparing something in a meeting, talking to people. And then almost immediately, my phone was silent. I didn't know what to do with my day. I was just left in this void. And so it wasn't just these big life questions, trying to figure out who I was and what I believed. It was about like my entire day, my my entire identity, everything kind of changed because I was that invested church lady. I wasn't just busy. I was involved. I was over-invested, you might say, as many other people in church was. You got to see this core group of people who were volunteers. And I can tell you, beyond a shadow of a doubt that many of us were there on nights when we shouldn't have been on days when we shouldn't have been because we had overcommitted ourselves to things going out of the church over the priority of our well-being or the well-being of our family this is intentional for the the leadership it very much is when you we talk about and 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 I know some people who didn't necessarily come from these high control church experiences it might be hard for you to understand what this type of indoctrination looks like but your spiritual identity is so tied to how you are bound to the church leadership and how they approve of you that you see that as sacred as your salvation It's as sacred as what you believe. So it's very hard, I know, for some people to understand what this this looks like, but it's very real. You often hear it talk about that in like a a cult setting. And we've all watched some of the shows that talk about, uh, that share the experiences of cult people. The first one that comes to mind for me is Jim Jones, but you got so many, the shiny, happy people documentary. And there's so many out there that show you what, they use the, 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 the manipulative tactics that they use to control people. But I'm here to tell you right now that cult-like behavior, cult-like, I won't call it a cult, but cult-like behavior, manipulative tactics, spiritual gaslighting, 
leading by guilt, shaming people into overcommitting for unpaid labor is very much alive and well in some of these modern American evangelical churches. So for me, you name it, I was involved in it. And that was like not only my identity, like I said, it it made me feel like I, when I was doing those things, that showed that my heart was right with God, that I was so committed to the work of the church that I would be there at a moment's notice and nobody, people can say, well, you could always say no. Again, you don't know what that indoctrination's like. And the church leaders had no problem whatsoever asking those of us who were indoctrinated into this high control. It's hard to call it leadership. We had no leadership responsibilities. We were really, really exhausted gophers is what we were. Not, no decisions were being made outside of the primary church leaders, which were the lead pastors. But you still felt like you were a part of what was happening until it wasn't, until the perfect storm had happened. And I finally decided I had had enough. I, I finally got the courage to heed this call that was in my heart and soul that said it was time to leave. And I've talked about this before, but obviously it bears repeating for some of you who may be new here, but are some of you maybe on a, at a different part of your deconstructing journey. It's a real, the struggle is very real when you decide to leave your spiritual community and you enter this place where I've often called it the spiritual season of spiritual unrest, the paradox of spiritual unrest, the spiritual wilderness, whatever you want to call it. When you find yourself there and you're disconnected to your religious heritage, that is unrattling. I mean, that is, you feel rattled. You are jostled in a way that you may not have been up until now. So you, and it's, it, it's like this paradox of sweet release especially for me, because I, I felt like I was suffocating inside church, especially because I think I, there was a lot of outward, I had a lot of outward display that I was not happy. And they then were trying to bring me back under control to now you have these, you have this sweet release of being relieved from that. But also now you have the spiritual wobbliness because I don't know what my worth is. I don't know how I belong and I don't know my path forward. And yet I knew I was exactly where I needed to be. And I didn't have words for it at the time, other than I just felt like I, I was completely ungrounded and not know, know where I was going to go. But now I can look back and define that as this mysterious space that prepared me to walk through a portal that would that would take me to my next phase of my life and my spiritual journey because, but what had to happen during that time where I, when I was navigating that spiritual wilderness, that's that mysterious space and trying to figure out who I was and what I believed. The first thing I lost was my rigid beliefs that dictated all of that for me. Those things started to fall away. And it was obvious, even though when I first left church, that I was deconstructing from that because something up until that time had kept me in church that was related to those rigid, that rigid dogma. 
because when I, after I left, I first thought like, all right, I may be going to hell, but at least I have peace right in this moment in my life. I don't feel like I'm going crazy for the longest time, just connecting my salvation to the fact that I had my proximity to church kept me in church. But I was starting to deconstruct from that because I finally left and said, no, I think I'm going to be okay. And then started to deconstruct more of those religious beliefs that really had no place in my life that told me what I believed, how I should worship. And that lens through which I was looking at this belief system and looking at how I fit into it and how I was going to reconcile all this with my religious heritage and the fact that uh, I loved my grandmother, who really was a big influence in my life for uh, my uh, re my religious upbringing. How I was going to reconcile all that, all of that started to soften. Like I, I understood that I did not have to figure all of that stuff out. But Sundays in particular could be really, really hard because you could be gone from 7A to 7P some days, depending on what was going on. But you always were at church early and you always stayed late because there was something that needed to happen or you were back on Sunday night for a meeting or whatever. But I remember thinking as I was sitting on a park bench one, one Sunday morning going, okay, this church lady, this overcommitted, exhausted church lady is sitting here with her green tea latte in her hand and thinking about how serene the moment was to just sit there feeling the warmth of the tea and listening to the calls of nature through the birds and the people walking their dogs and just being breathing into that moment, I realized that's when I really started to unpack the fact that my spirituality had become all that I did. And I had forgotten what it was like, or not even really ever comprehended what it meant to just simply exist. I had lost so much of myself for the perpetuation of the institution of my church. I had given up so much of myself because I believed that that acquiescence to church leadership, that that submitting to church authority, that doing the work was so intricately tied to finding favor with this anthropomorphized patriarchal masculine God that that was going to possibly give me stars in heaven or, or whatever it was it wasn't elevating me. It was the least I could do. It had nothing to do with um, seeing that my re reward in heaven was going to be greater. It really was tied to this was what I was supposed to do. This was the least of what I was supposed to do. And I believe that that was also taught to us. When, when you have a pastor get up and say, if you have time for video games on Saturday, then you have time to be in church helping with XYZ, then you are very much hearing that indoctrination that your free time is not your own, that you indeed should be putting the church's needs in front of your own personal time for self-care. They're dictating for you what that is. And you, when you hear that enough, then you start to believe it until you don't. But I remember sitting there gripping that tea 
and just being moment, being in that moment. And I realized that it wasn't just the fact that I did those things, but the rituals in church, what, what did they mean to me? The rituals of just attending, because I had felt as disconnected to them right in that moment as I felt to the church lady that I was leaving behind, the identity of the church lady that I was leaving behind. So in in other words, those things that I tried to do, attending Bible study and um, going to the special events and helping with the lifeblood of the church, whether it was funerals or, or things like that, that I would help, I would help tend to, it didn't, it, it did nothing. It was doing nothing to sustain me. And they were starting to feel foreign to me, just literally sitting on that park bench and starting to feel those things just, just fall away that they, that weren't there to, they may have served my highest good at some time, but they were no longer doing that for me. They felt even foreign, foreign, even thinking about praying and what exactly was I praying and who was I praying to? And if I started to journal now, what would I write instead of a prayer to God? What, what would I write? And what, what was my relationship to the Bible? All of these questions just came flooding to me because all of a sudden I had permission to look at my spirituality different. And I don't know what it was in that moment that made that happen. But I remember thinking that this was a process that I was, that I knew enough intuitively enough to know that I was going through some process that was going to lead me somewhere. And if these profound moments were going to keep happening, then I just needed to trust the process. I had no idea where I was going and I didn't have any, I didn't have any closer, any answers to some of these big questions about my faith, but the questions didn't scare me. Months before that, they would have terrified me because once again, I felt like I had, my faith was weakening because that's what I was constantly told that those kinds of questions showed that you didn't have faith because all you need to do in that kind of setting is be spoon fed from the pulpit and don't question anything else. So these, these questions kept rolling around and they started to dance and they started to feel like a friend instead of something to intimidate me. So I no longer was trying to figure out who I was, whether or not I was going to be going back into religion or who I was inside, inside Christianity. I started thinking about who I am just as a person. So what, who was I? What did I believe? Where am I going? What is my life's purpose? And this describing the shift from having this desperate need to please a God that's evasive because let's face it in that kind of setting, this God is, and it, it's, it's intentional that this God is taught to be evasive. We can't figure everything out about God, at least not as one of the people in the religious patriarchal structure that's only set for the highest up. So how do these big life questions how are they going to become part of my tapestry? 
I'm still weaving that I've been weaving since the day I was born, but now the colors are different and the patterns showing up differently. And I can allow them just to come in and continue to sustain me, even if I don't know the answers, because all I knew was that there was this piece that was arriving, sitting there on a park bench, sipping that latte that I hadn't felt in a long time. That moment started to feel like an act of worship. And that act of worship in that moment felt just as meaningful and sacred as any ritual or worship or prayer that I had ever experienced in church. And it astounded me, confounded me, scared me and confused me, but I was exhilarated and excited for what was to happen. So I remember thinking, how was I going to release who I once was and just embrace who was arriving or who I was becoming? And that really began the the time for me to say, I'm going to trust this. Something is happening and I'm going to trust this. And it would be years before some of those questions that arose that day would be answered. And some of them never did. Some of those questions, I don't believe are, are meant to be answered with permanence. As we have new experiences, our our ideology changes, our faith changes, our awareness about things change. And it, it, for me, it, it feels like we almost let go more of the need and just accept that being is enough. Because, you know, if we continue as we are, if we're living, then we are changing and evolving. If we just make that the commitment, then a life journey filled with wonder and curiosity can be can sustain you. So looking back and thinking about some of those questions and thinking, what is or who is God? I no longer ask that. I say, what is the divine? And for some people, the name for that may be God, but I call it holy. And on that day, I realized that holiness was never meant to be understood, but experienced through our humanity, because that's how we love. And that's how we work to, to elevate the human condition and leave the world a little better because we were in it. So can we start to look at our lives as a prayer? Can we start to consider that worship is in the everyday. Holy is in the everyday. And that's what I consider practical spirituality. It's this integration of spirituality into your daily life. So whether it's through spiritual practices and everyday routine, but can you take just the simple moments and make them sacred? Last Sunday, I did a video where I was talking about uh, tending to the home fires and understanding that those little acts that we do that are touching the touches of kindness or care are actually like little raindrops in the vast ocean of this lived experience, this creation that come together to create a, a, a symbiotic, if you will, energy 
that moves things forward. So the more of us who are practicing those small acts of kindness that are integrated and we find the holy in the everyday, we're actually doing more to, to raise that consciousness than perhaps anything we did in church. That's my experience. That might not be yours, but those words feel right to me. So then it also helps us have a personalized spiritual path that may look different than our religious heritage experience, but this is where we get to create our own spiritual journey. And it's based on our evolving beliefs and our experiences. This one scares people because oftentimes you feel that if I get too far away from my religious roots, I have to be doing something wrong. That's a limited belief that's planted by a high control type of mindset that needs to keep you loyal to that mindset because that's how you perpetuate the institution. Religion in its purest form should not need that control over you because if you're able to focus in some way and, and be present in your life and how spirituality ebbs and flows, you being a compliment to your spiritual community is the best thing you can offer. But the, but the relationship looks different. Instead of you being beholden to it because you link it to your salvation, you are now connected to it because of the benefit it offers you on your individual journey. And that is too high a risk for many of these high control groups who need your money to do things differently. Another thing that practical spirituality often offers us is, is a tool for improving our emotional and our, our mental health, because oftentimes we're using practices that we may not have used inside organized religion that were considered a sin, whether it's uh, meditation, group chanting, exploring other religious beliefs and traditions, anything like that, that can help you foster an inner peace and also ground you to create a resilience, anything like that, that's not, that's outside of your religious heritage. You may have been taught. I certainly was. I remember in my early twenties, attending a Bible study where we were taught an eight week Bible study that was stand, standing room only about why all other world religions are wrong. Standing room only. I took copious notes. I wish I still had those notes because it would be interesting to look back to see how I wrote those things down real quickly. You know, we know the things about connecting with nature. Just look at what that park bench did for me and the, how that is such a, a beautiful organic way to experience creation, the divine, whatever your word is to find inner calm and, and gain this deeper understanding of how we are connected to creation. Continuous personal growth, a commitment to that. What does that look like for you? So if we're looking at practical spirituality, sometimes it's one thing that often, often happens, not always, but often happens. And I saw it many times, including with myself, that we think that all we have to do is show up in church and we have done all we need to do to be spiritual. When in reality, a commitment to personal growth and, and it helps us commit to a path of self-improvement. And it doesn't have to be all spiritual books. There can be, you know, documentaries about real history. And I say that kind of smirkily, if you will, because of all the things that are happening with the 
threat to education right now. We want to make sure that our sources are good. But again, and, and then looking at how we can make sure that our that our service and our compassion, which would be our activism and our advocacy, how is our spirituality reflected in what we do? Now, that doesn't mean that we're going out and proselytizing to people about our faith. We left that back in evangelical Christianity. We don't do that here. But when we when we tie our advocacy to our spirituality, that means that we've listened to who we are and we've moved towards the pain in the world for something that touches us deeply. We all know that experience. Something has touched us so deeply. Even just seeing an image of it makes us cry. Whatever that is, that's tied to something inside of us, uniquely us. That's why you have people from working to save turtles to save uh, kittens. The range is different because everyone has a different desire or calling, if you will. I have a whole teaching on calling that maybe I'll do a, a podcast on sometime. I think I will. I think that needs to happen in 24. I'll make a note right now to make sure that we get that done. I have little post-it notes all over my desk that I put notes in. Sometimes I'll go back and look at them and think, I wonder what that note was about and have no clue. Okay, let's wrap this up. Mindfulness in your daily tasks. Who are we doing these things for? How does it better? And, and, and thinking about these things as we produce, as we as we do them, coming, coming to a place of mindfulness, using nature as a, as a canvas for our spirituality, how can we connect with it? So we, we, we're reminded of our connection to nature and how can we use our advocacy and activism as a reflection of our inner growth and our inner peace and our spirituality? Because with so many of the human journey, the this journey to practical spirituality isn't linear. It's this path of self-discovery. And some days we get it right. And other days we just get as much done as we can because we have to be task focused and driven. That's There's nothing wrong with that. There's no judgment here at all. But when we accept this invitation to explore the potential of practical spirituality, then it can be one of the most powerful tools to help us on our deconstructing journey. Because oftentimes people are looking for ways to replace some of what they felt they lost in church. And I want to change the narrative to help people understand that church should have all along been helping us find our, our, our feet in our humanness, in our humanity instead of being addicted to and looking towards the church for answers. It should have inspired us and guided us and nurtured us. It should have been the conduit through which our spirituality was enriching and helping us have tendrils and fingers out into our world. But it got oftentimes it got it wrong. In my case, when you have a minister get up and have a sermon about what about Jesus, and they said those exact words to you when you invited them to see your, your animal welfare-based organization that very much is turned inward towards the needs of the church versus outwards towards the needs of creation and humanity. So our, our paradigm shift is ongoing, and that's why practical 
spirituality and this concept of it is an important part of your deconstructing journey. Okay, beautiful souls. Thank you for listening. You can watch the uncut version of today's episode on my YouTube channel, Spirituality Matters with Rev Carla. And always you can connect with me on the social media platforms and be sure to check out my private Facebook group called Rev Carla's Inner Circle, where I'm in there several times a week answering your questions. And be sure to check revcarla.com for upcoming live teachings and courses. And of course, Sundays with Rev Carla. Okay, beloveds, I'm honored to be in this space with you. Go in peace, be at peace. Go in love and may you be loved. Go and know that others are on this journey with you and you are not alone. You are seen and deeply and unconditionally loved just the way you are. Blessings on your week and I'll see you soon. Bye for now.